Welcome to Series 2 of the Conformance Cast, an educational series format podcast by A2LA Workplace Training, providing information on international standards, quality systems, conformity assessment, and metrology. Thank you for joining us as we chat with environmental laboratory consultant and assessor, Michelle Wade. I just wanted to apologize for any decrease in audio quality you may notice in these last two episodes of our series with Michelle. It was unfortunately a technical difficulty with our audio that we did not notice until after we had finished recording, but uh, we've cleaned it up pretty well for you so that you should still have a pleasant listening experience. Thank you. So to spin off the technology angle, uh, I know that workplace training is doing all of their services remotely, and I'm sure that the assessment work that you're still doing is being done remotely. What sort of challenges has that presented, and like, what is there any any interesting insight you have into that that you uh, you want to share with laboratories? I certainly can. So. The uh, as we talked about the difficulties of technology, that is by far been the hardest thing to overcome. And where people are are comfortable with uh, potentially what your organization, whether it's a company or a municipal laboratory or maybe whatever it is, what those requirements are for what software you can or cannot use, um, making sure that you have the internet connection and are capable of. You know, having that video conference um, is very, very important. It's, and you know, it's for for me. What I've what I've found that works really well for me is really digging in. Uh, is from a desk kind of a desk assessment perspective. So I'm still talking to the analyst. I'm still viewing um, when capable with in the laboratory what they're doing. But I'm really, really focusing in on that data. I've told my laboratories routinely, you know, from the TNI perspective that we've told them for, for decades that they have to keep all of these records. And it's so incredibly important because of legal defensibility. And we really should have been telling them that in case there was a global pandemic, you can show your assessor what you're doing in the laboratory because you've got it all written down. It's been, it's been a bit of a nightmare. And, um, but that being said, I will say from the assessment perspective, I'm getting a very different view for, of the laboratories. So in some of these cases, like this would have been my third visit to a lot of the laboratories that I'm currently assessing. And I'm now getting that outside perspective. I'm getting more time with their data as they, um, you know, it is a huge undertaking for them to have to scan in or provide pictures or something. They have to be able to provide the data because relying on a camera um, to like hold up and show me things, if your hands aren't steady and it shakes, <laughs> the camera's never going to focus. So I, I cannot really, think of a single webcam that I have ever seen that would be capable of reading the word. Like the webcams just aren't that good. Nobody has that good of a webcam. They No, it, it, once in a while, it will work well. I can we can actually like share a record that way where they'll hold it up to the camera and say, "Here it is, Michelle." And I'm like, "Yes." But most of the time, you know, it's just any sort of movement um, or even the internet connection. You just you can't see it. So they have to be able to scan um, or somehow provide you that data electronically. So if you're already an electronic lab, of course, this should be an easy process because you already have everything electronically. Um, 
but I'm really getting the opportunity to dig into the data where I'm not necessarily being distracted by the laboratory. So I schedule, whether I'm doing consulting or assessing, I schedule a lot of downtime where I'm spending time hands-on, hands-on, it's really me and the screen at that point, uh, mm-hmm. but really digging into that data and making sure that everything is there and in place without all the distractions of, you know, the comings and goings of the laboratory or uh, I will say once in a while you get that laboratory where they're intentionally distracting you to keep you from looking at the the, the problem areas. And so they're oh, you know, jumping around on the other side of the lab. Um, from the consulting perspective, it's much harder to get that, um, develop that relationship with your laboratory on that virtual level. So, you know, whether it's that you got to sit down with them and have a cup of coffee and really discuss things, it's, you're just not getting it. You know, we're, we're really right now in that rush, rush, rush phase where we're trying to get everything accomplished and make sure nothing falls through the cracks. And we're, we're losing that, um, that personal relationship. And that is so important with the, uh, with the consulting work and making sure that you can develop that. So, you know, those technology issues that come up, um, developing those relationships, it's, it's all very different. I'm not saying that it doesn't work and that things can't be effective. I just, I almost feel like I'm, I'm not providing people the services that I should be because I'm not there to do it in person. Um, but we're all making it work. And I will say that, uh, especially from the assessment perspective, I don't have any less deficiencies or citations when I do assessments than I did when I was in person. So I think that a majority of the assessors and you know the labs, we're still right up where we need to be. It's just a little bit different. It takes a lot longer. I will say that doing it virtually because you don't necessarily have somebody to walk you through their data and what they're doing or somebody immediately to ask questions of. There's a delay when you find something that you're questioning. Maybe you have to write it down and get back with the laboratory later, or you have to wait for them to be able to send you the record. Um, it's certainly, it's a longer process, but I think we've, we've really made the most, we as in assessors and consultants, both of the situation that we have at hand. Yeah, I think everyone is feeling kind of the psychological crush of not feeling that human connection that they're used to feeling. I don't like that's certainly not unique to consulting. And I don't think it's in any way um, like reflecting poorly on you that you can't sit and have a coffee with the, the people that you're evaluating. No matter what industry you're in, everyone is feeling sort of like isolated and disconnected. So yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but these are the times of, although speaking of, you know, interpersonal connection, uh, you had mentioned uh, previously that the importance of networking and uh, making connections with uh, other people in your industry. Uh, I know that that's a little bit different now than it has been in previous years, but um, do you think there's still opportunities for people to connect? Do you think there's something that can still be gained by trying to like join professional groups and try to get some some information and some feedback from people in your industry? Absolutely, Evan. Absolutely, there is. And so you know, just like everybody else, those national organizations or your state local organizations have had to adjust and to do things differently and take things virtually that we had done in, in, in person um, 
for decades, sometimes. Sometimes it was really decades that, you know, this this conference had been happening and um, there everybody's adjusting and we're making the most of what we can do. So uh, I'll, I'll skip, well, we'll look at TNI. So TNI, of course, uh, meets, there's two conferences a year for TNI on the national level. Um, I know for a lot of laboratories, uh, travel can be an issue. And so getting that approval, whether it's a state, you know, a state lab or a city lab or even a corporate organization to get that approval and the funding to travel to a conference that may be in, you know, on the other side of the country can be troublesome. And so really by, you know, TNI having to adjust and make those conferences a virtual situation, that training and that opportunity is really still there. Um, it's a little bit different. You're still able to get, uh, it's not really as interactive as it used to be, but you're still able to get that information and to find out what's happening. Um, I know, I believe anyway, that uh, the um, the ISO organizations kind of did the same thing, you know, that they're, whatever conferences they have or ISO has on a national level, they've kind of made those uh, virtual as best they can so that that training is still available to the laboratory staff. And really for those that can't travel now, you know, that couldn't travel before, now everything's virtual and they have the opportunity to really to tune in. Now that interpersonal relationship, not so much. It's a lot more difficult. You know, when I tell my laboratories all the time, whether I'm consulting or assessing with them, that going to a conference, whether it's a national conference or uh, Florida, for example, Florida has an amazing society for environmental analysts. They meet twice a year as well. Um, and they do a, a two and a half day conference down there twice a year. And again, travel is an issue. So they try to host it on opposite coasts and in different regions. Uh, but travel can sometimes be an issue. But you get that opportunity to really network and make those connections. You know, have a partner so that you can ask questions outside of your assessment or away from your AB. Maybe you don't want to be, you know, quote unquote, judged by your accreditation body or you feel stupid about asking that question, which you should never feel stupid. But you know, then you have a friend that you can go to. Maybe that friend, if you know, especially if you're involved on the national level, maybe that friend's on the other coast. But you can, you know, we're all trying to meet those same requirements. And so you have that relationship where you can ask those questions freely. And so that interpersonal side isn't necessarily there, but those training opportunities are now available more than ever, you know, especially with everything going virtual. I mentioned earlier that I presented on internal audits for the uh, Florida Society of Environmental Analysts last week and did that presentation. And we had individuals um, all the way from California that wouldn't necessarily have been able to travel all the way to Florida for training, uh, but they were able to sit in on that virtual conference. Of course, time adjustments and all of that, but <laughs> it was training that they otherwise wouldn't have had access to. So it's a double-edged sword, I think, Evan, in making sure that you can still be connected to individuals. It's just not necessarily as personal as it used to be. Yeah, we're seeing that uh, with workplace training as well. There are certain uh, virtual courses that are really booming for like labs like that tend to have smaller organizations. So, for example, uh, we have a class on 17025 for cannabis laboratories, and a lot of cannabis laboratories, of course, are small startup labs because like cannabis for medical use is, is only really becoming uh, legal in a lot of states just now. So there's a lot of small startup laboratories in that space. And the virtual course that we have uh, is seeing a lot of enrollments from people who otherwise couldn't have traveled to the in-person courses. So 
I 100% agree with you. It's there's pluses and minuses, but there's definitely something to be said for like the digital capabilities we have now to continue interacting in spite of everything that's going on. Well, and really COVID um, really forced the hand of organizations like workplace training. You know, I know when this first happened, you know, in March when everything really shut down, um, we sat around with workplace training as an organization and kind of went, well, now what do we do? And so they already <laughs> were doing some webinars and that sort of thing, but now we had to take everything um, virtually. And, you know, uh, Tim and Pam and Danielle and Roger, they certainly um, are doing a lot more of that than I am as far as having to deal with the software and technologies. And they, I know they're, they're constantly working to better and improve the process and in a lot quicker time frame than they probably would have otherwise. So I, it, it's not all bad. I mean, by any means, but, you know, it's it's really understanding that organizations like Workplace Training are making that opportunity available and trying to better the training session every time they give it. So, you know, I think if, if a laboratory were to so choose to, you know, sit in on one now versus and then come back and take the same class in six months, they would see that improvement. They've the Workplace Training has really embraced that continuous improvement process and they're working it to make those training sessions as informative and as interactive as they possibly can and try to make up for that. We don't have that in-person time where we can do the breakout groups with everybody. They're making making it all happen virtually as best they can. And I think, you know, I've seen the advancement that we've done in the last six months within workplace training and where we've gone and what we're doing. And I'm, I'm absolutely blown away by how far we've come. Not to pull aside the curtain too much, but, uh, you know, I, I do all of the communications and we've also been talking about um, the opportunity for networking in those courses. That's something that we've had feedback about that people wish that, you know, lacking face-to-face -face interaction, they had some kind of networking opportunities. So we're working on some kind of way to integrate that into the virtual classroom as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what we come up with, what's coming down the line. Um, could you share any interesting tools or resources that people could use as they're, uh, preparing for an assessment or as they're trying to learn more about compliance, anything that's publicly available that is a great resource? Absolutely. Your first, first thing you should do is to check with your accreditation body. Um, I know that all of the ISO accreditation bodies have information on their websites and available for, for the laboratories, for especially for those items that are common issues or common areas where people are confused or concerned. Uncertainty of measurement comes to mind that there are white papers available through websites for, for that purpose. Um, I know that you know, there's there's templates available, especially if we look if we focus a little bit on TNI and what TNI does. Uh, TNI has created templates for everything for quality for the quality manual. There is a template available. It's available for purchase, of course. It's not you can't just go and download it for free. Um, but it's it's available. That's the state of everything in the world. <laughs> that's right. There's a cost, uh, and it all has to go back to that copyright information, you know, and, and the ISO language that gets incorporated and all of that. But uh, there's an amazing template available uh, to the laboratories for the quality manual. Um, they've created one for SOPs. Uh, 
TNI actually has what they call the Small Laboratory Handbook that's available that was developed by the um, by the committees within TNI to really address those small labs. We see them very, very frequently within TNI that we've got those, you know, one, two, maybe three person municipal laboratories that are struggling. And so they created a handbook specifically for them. We're on like revision three of it, I believe. Um, and then there's organizations too, like workplace training. You know, we've created a lot of a lot of content and a lot of availability. Um, right now, it's primarily focused on the ISO side, um, but we are working very diligently to create content for TNI and the environmental industry. You know, we uh, we're working on, a, on a, a large training project with the state of California and how they're up and coming, and we're looking at ways to take that all the work that we put into that training project for the state of California, and how can we spin that off and further expand that to create training content for the environmental labs it's um it's 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 all available out there some of it's free and some of it's not sometimes just googling too if you're having an issue with things just google whatever it is that you're struggling with and you can find sometimes even standard operating procedures that are pre-written that some some of the laboratories even the big large organizations out there have those SOPs available on their websites or um you know other resources some of the states provide more information than others i know the state of virginia has a lot of templates and availability um so really i like i said start with your ab and see what they have or have asked them where can i go where can i get more information or more training or tools for this and it, you'd be amazed at what's available out there whether it's free or for purchase no one ever likes to admit that they Google things, especially in a professional context. But look, everyone Googles. Don't be ashamed. You can Google. It's fine. We all Google. I know, you know, from the TNI perspective, one of our big focuses that's a little different than ISO is, of course, the data integrity training and the data integrity program that we we foster. And we're not supposed to use the F word fraud, uh, but I probably throw that word around a lot more than uh, than people would like to hear, but uh, that's really what we're trying to avoid within the environmental industry. And sadly enough, it all hurts us a little bit to say uh, fraud was rampant in environmental laboratories in the early 80s and the 90, early 90s. And that's why TNI came about was really to try to address that situation. Um, yeah, I don't think that comes as a surprise to anyone hearing about it now. <laughs> I think we all, I mean, I was not alive in the 80s, but um, I, I know enough about uh, the history of government regulations and stuff to know that stuff was kind of bad. Stuff was not great. Oh, it was, it was so bad, Evan. <laughs> uh, but th because of that, the data integrity component to the TNI standard is pretty intense uh they require when you know when you bring on a new hire of course there's going to be very specific training that has to be given um specific as far as content not necessarily you have to take this course but very specific on the content that has to be included in that training and then on an annual basis you're required to provide refresher training to your laboratory staff and it all has to be very very well documented uh there's very specific requirements within the standard on how you document it even to make sure that it's done and that it's available but laboratories struggle really with you know but I have to give a presentation again and everybody's so bored with it because I always give the same presentation. Well, let me tell you what, if you Google data integrity training, you can come up with 
all sorts of materials. So there's, you know, paid courses that are available through some organizations, but you can find other people's PowerPoints. So a lot of the states uh, or TNI or just companies in general have whatever reason, their PowerPoints are available on the internet if you just Google it. And then you can have fresh content available. So, uh, you know, Google isn't always your friend, but it's always a great starting point for trying to get information. Yeah, absolutely. It's there's everything in the world is out there. You've got to sift through it, but pretty much anything is there if you've got a mind to look for it. All right. I think that's all the important stuff that we really needed to get to. Thank you so much, Michelle, for taking all of this time to sit with us and share your insight and uh, uh, grace us with your dynamic, bubbly presence. <laughs> Well, thank you, Evan. It was it was good to actually do something a little bit different and chat with a with a friendly face from from back home in back home in Maryland. Join us in two weeks to hear more from Michelle. In the meantime, visit a2lawpt.org for blog posts, pre-recorded webinars, and our entire catalog of courses and consulting services. You can also find us on social media by searching A2LA Workplace Training.